You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Podcast, a podcast that won't decrease your waistline, even if you binge on it. This podcast is dedicated to spreading God's Word to anyone willing to listen. We will never tell you what you want to hear. We'll tell you what you need to hear. There are many podcasts out there that are flashier, better produced, or written by a large team of writers. But you will be hard-pressed to find the one in 4.1 million podcasts in circulation that knows the secret to eternal life. Spoiler alert, it's not a secret. It's just not very popular. Isaiah 53 verse 2 says, in part, about the prophesied Savior. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Maybe Jesus wouldn't stand out in a crowd, but it would be a mistake to pass him up. Today, we get to listen to another sermon from our Wednesday night Lenten church services. This one is titled, His Final Steps Led to Some Greeks. It's an odd title to be sure, until you listen to the gospel reading that it's based on. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour is come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. And now we join Pastor Zamzow for today's meditation. This account takes place on Palm Sunday which we are not quite there yet in Holy Week, but before we get there, it's good to put yourself and put ourselves as believers there in the moment on that day. Now, I've preached this text a a number of times before, and tonight I'm going to put us there. As we see how Jesus' final steps lead to some Greeks, let's put you in the shoes of those Greeks. Think of the long trip that it must have been. The long trip from Greece down to Jerusalem over dusty paths over the sea. It was a long and hard and difficult road, but you finally made it. 
And as you're winding your way up to Jerusalem, you see the temple up on the hill and your heart kind of leaps within you. You may have been raised far, far away. Your parents might have been Gentile Greeks, but you knew the word of the Lord. Somehow, somewhere, along the way, the word of God had come down to your family, and now you are making this pilgrimage at Passover to Jerusalem. As you draw up to the city, you hear the clamor sounds. The city echoing out. You hear the sights and the, uh, the you, you you see the sights of the city. You hear the smells of the city. Some pleasant, some not so much. But what catches your eye immediately is this massive crowd that seems to have gathered out in front of the city gates. And all of these people that are in this crowd are yelling out. They're crying out. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us. Save us, son of David. And you and your traveling companions, perhaps you pick up the pace a bit to get to the the crest of the hill a little bit quicker. Maybe you scramble up on a rock to get a better view. And through waving palm branches, and people, you see waving palm branches and people laying their coats down on the road. And there, maybe roughly about 7,500 yards out from the city gate, you see this man. He's not dressed in armor. He's not dressed in purple. He's not dressed in finery. He's not wearing a golden crown upon his head. He's not the sort of figure that you would have expected to see riding into the city under the cries of Save us, Son of David, and Hosanna, Hosanna. You might have expected a chariot or a war horse or a man dressed in armor. Well, you might have been brought up in Greece hundreds and hundreds of miles away. You did know those words of Zechariah. And you did recognize this scene that was playing out. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So you and the group that you're with, you come up to the city gate. And as you begin to enter into the city, the shouts have died down, but now the murmurs start to rise up about who this guy is. Questions. Is he the son of David? Is this David's heir? Is this Jesus the Messiah? Is this the great prophet of our time? Is this our new king? But you hear other murmurs too. Sanhedrin's not going to like this. Pharisees aren't going to like this. The Romans aren't going to like this. Jewish king? They have no king but Caesar. As you stand there and you ponder those questions and the murmurs of the crowd and the scene that just played out in front of your eyes, you look to your traveling companions and you don't need to say anything. You want to see Jesus. What was all this commotion about? Who is this guy? And you push through the crowd a little bit and one of the first guys uh, who, who you saw walk up with Jesus to the city gate introduces himself to you as Philip. 
and you ask him if you can see Jesus. And first, he leaves and he goes and he talks to his friend about something. You're not entirely sure what. But then they both come back to you to bring you to see him. And when your eyes meet, and you're standing there in front of this man who just rode under into Jerusalem under the cries of Hosanna, Hosanna, maybe you see for a moment why Philip and his friend were hesitant to allow you to see him. Because despite the excitement, despite the joy of the crowds, this guy looks the complete opposite of a strong young king. If anything, he looks tired. Like he hasn't slept much in the last week. And while he's maybe only 30 some odd years old, there's some hard lines on his face. Many a worry, many a care has rested on his brow, and many a tear has rolled down those cheeks. He looks like a man who's taking his final steps. A man who's weighed down with the anticipation and the anxiety of being condemned. And as you look at him, the first thing he says to you, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Strange response. Odd greeting. Why would your arrival as a Greek, with you and your traveling companions, make this Jesus say this? What could He possibly be getting at? Why is He being so cryptic? It doesn't seem like He's necessarily trying to confuse you. He's certainly not trying to push you away from Him. His words are genuine. His words are pointed. But His words are deep. What's he mean about a seed falling to the ground and dying and then producing many seeds? Is he the seed? Is he the seed that dies and then comes back to life? And you're looking at a guy who looks like as though he hates his own life, not in the sense that he hates being alive and wants to commit suicide. But he certainly wasn't sitting here in front of you in Jerusalem on this day for his own health that he might be crowned king and dressed in purple and receive a golden crown with all the frills and the feasts. He wasn't here for his own pleasure or for his own enjoyment or his own fame. And yet, and yet he speaks with confidence about God. He speaks with confidence about God the Father's love for him. You wanted to see him. You wanted to follow after him. Is this what you expected to see? A man who looks like he's taking his final steps to be condemned, but still speaks with the confidence of God's love. And his words resonate within you. Because it forces you to think, how can this guy 
who looks like this speaks so confidently about God's love for him and being, uh, being a, a part of God's glory. When all the times in your life you've equated whether you're happy or well-fed or successful or in love with whether or not God loves you, if on the one hand you have been all those things, then hey, God must be smiling down on me. But if not, questions abound. Has he forgotten about me? Does God love me? Does God care for me? Has he lost track of this one sheep? If God loved me, then shouldn't my life be going smoothly? Shouldn't I have everything easy? This Jesus doesn't seem to think that way. As he looks exhausted and he plainly thinks that he's going to die soon, he's certainly not quote-unquote happy in the way that you'd normally think about it. But he is confident in the fact that God loves him. Even though he looks like a man who's taking his final steps. And so why is he in Jerusalem on this day? At this point, at this place, at this time? Is he there that you might follow him? That you might know him? He's telling you who he is because you wanted to see him. And he's being completely honest about what it means to follow after him. If he's taking his final steps, do you follow him? Is he worth it? And then he says what you've expected all along. That he is tired and troubled. Now my soul is shaken, he says. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And he looks to heaven and he prays, Father, glorify your name. You look to your companions. Your companions look to Jesus and Jesus looks at you bewildered and you wonder, can he see my heart? Can he see what's going on in here? Can he read our minds? Did he see my question right here in doubt? And my doubt of whether or not I should follow after him? And Jesus says, this voice, this peal of thunder was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on the world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And you've heard people say so often. I wish God would give me a sign. I wish then, I wish God would give me a sign, something clear, so that that way I would know that I'm right. Then I would know that my faith and my heart are in the right place. And here, at this time, at this place, He did. And yet you hear others continue to ask Him questions but you just ponder the things that He has said. And this voice from heaven that just echoed out. And as you're doing so, you turn around and you look in this Jesus who was just there in front of you is gone. How can I follow Him if I can't see Him? What was that whole conversation all about? In the next five days, you walk around the city and it's kind of a wash of emotion. As you walk through the city, you hear some of the things that had been said and done. How Jesus 
had went to that dinner banquet, how angry the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin were really at him for raising a man from the dead? And you hear how he had gone into the temple as, as you yourself, a Greek Gentile, had gone into the temple courts. And you heard how just a few days earlier, he had gone in there himself and he turned the tables upside down. He drove out the cattle. And you hear these whispers and these rumors about the Messiah and, where, and, and, and who he is. You celebrate the Passover festivities. But that conversation that you had with this guy on the first day you walked into that city will not get out of your head. Then it's Friday. And the city is awash with cries and calls again, only this time they're not happy and joyous. But you hear the cries of crucify, crucify, and there's Roman soldiers that are rushing past you. And the city is filled with hatred. It's filled with anger. But again, you're filled uh, with, with, with curiosity about all this commotion. And again, it's around the city gate. So you go back out to the city gate that you came in. And you see another crowd. There's no blankets. There's no palm branches. The road is lined with people. There's Roman soldiers. And there's three crosses being carried out to the hill of Golgotha. And the one in the middle is this Jesus. And He's bloody and He's beaten and He's carrying a Roman cross. And His words echo in your ears from that first conversation. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to Myself. He was on His final steps. He knew it. And He stopped to talk to me before He went here. He had time for me, a Gentile Greek, to tell me about who he was. That's why that conversation was so abrupt. That's why that conversation was so confusing and so deep. Because he wanted to get out as much as he could about who he was as fast as he possibly could for me and for my traveling companions. You follow him out of the city all the way. And you watch with tears in your eyes as they lift him up over that awful place called the place of the skull. And through labored breaths, you hear him cry out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it all makes sense. You followed him on his final steps. You wanted to see Jesus. And as he said, this is what he came to do. He wasn't delivered from this hour. This is why He was here to save all people from sin and from death by taking all those things on Himself. He's doing this for you. For all the times that you doubted God's promises, for the times that you demanded some greater wisdom or insight from God, Jesus is lifted up for you. He is indeed the seed that falls to the ground and dies, but will spring forth that the devil, the prince of the world, might be driven out. And you realize that those cries of crucify, 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 and the cry of 
Hosanna, save us, are really not so different. Different in meaning, but they lead to the same place. They lead to Golgotha, they lead to that cross, they lead to Him being lifted up to draw all people to Himself. This is where His final steps led. And you followed Him out there. As the city stands in mourning over the next day, it seems as though this dark pall has fallen over Jerusalem, but it's the Sabbath day. And your time in Jerusalem has come to a close, and you prepare to leave. And you begin to leave the city by the same means of the same gate that you came in, the same gates you saw Jesus walk out of, and you ponder his final steps. You ponder how his final steps led to this city, to those crowds in Jerusalem, how his final steps led to his enemies, how his final steps led to that hill outside the city and to that cross. His final steps led this way. They led to you, for you. And he came for all people to draw all people to see his final steps. His final steps on this earth for them. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarkbemidji.org. All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. salvation free lasting to eternity